Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner and today my guest is Jennifer Rassiopi. Today our podcast is about cosmic health. It's one of my most favorite topics and Jen goes deep into how we are cyclical beings and how the more that we connect with our rhythms and nature, uh, the healthier that we can become. So a little bit about Jennifer. Jennifer Rassiopi is a certified Duke Integrative Medicine Health Coach, a holistic health counselor, a positive psychology coach, and an astrologer. Her popular private practice often has a waitlist due to high demand. Since 2017, Rassiopi has written Well and Good's weekly cosmic health column. She's also served as the resident astrologer for Kate Northrup's membership site, Origin, wrote regular horoscopes for Reebok, and has had her uh, work featured in Cosmopolitan Magazine, Mind Body Green, Forbes, Business Insider, The Numinous, Netflix Family, and Aerie. Her first book, Cosmic Health, was released in January 2021 with Little Brown Spark. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm so excited to introduce Jennifer Rassiopi, and we're going to be talking about your cosmic health. So welcome, Jen. It's really an honor to meet you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I served many of my podcasts for people to get to know you more, just learning more about your journey into this world of astrology and cosmic health and really what led you to have such a passion and interest in this topic. Yeah, my journey started many, many, many years ago. Sadly, as a teenager, I had really dysfunctional hormonal problems, issues that impacted my ability to, you know, just feel happy, stable, steady, and really just have a a normal experience of my period. So I had really horrific menstrual cycles, very long, very painful. I later learned that I had endometriosis, but along the way, I would go to the doctor all the time, the gynecologist to find out what was wrong. And they basically told me I was a normal, healthy teenager with hormonal dysfunction. And they put me on the pill or they put me on the pill on like an SSRI and they'd send me on my way. Uh, Maybe six weeks after I graduated high school, I had had a very large tumor erupt inside my left ovary, which was removed. My left ovary was removed. My left fallopian tube was removed. I was, it was biopsied and it was diagnosed stage one ovarian cancer, which was then followed up with an endometrial cancer diagnosis a year later and a radical hysterectomy with both ovaries removed by the time I was 19, which landed me in menopause. So yeah, I was pretty lost after that. You know, I technically had beat cancer, which was a huge thing, but it didn't have any natural hormones, which sent me uh, almost my health. My health got worse after that. Then it, be, it just became more chronic. My mood I had some anxiety issues. I had some depression issues. And really I had uh, parachute menopause, but no one described what that was. So I was having like hot flashes and cognitive impairment. And it was pretty wild. And along the way, I just started studying anything and everything I could about healing naturally and to learn about moon phases and lunar phases and how cycling um, with the moon's rhythm was a way to replace the menstrual rhythm that I had lost and everything kind of just took off from there. That was in um, 2001. Wow. Wow. What an incredible thing to go through at such a young age, right? And not to find all the answers, right? In the conventional world. And while you made um, such a recovery, you still have your whole life ahead of you and finding balance. And I, I love that you connected with the moon cycle. I, being a naturopath and some of my patients who have all sorts of irregularities with their menstrual cycle. One of the things that we do is seed cycling with the moon cycle. And it's amazing as we connect not only with our hormones, but also the energies of the moon, right? And how we, you know, have this whole 
connectedness and rhythm in life. And the more that we look at this, the deeper we can find meaning, I think, in our daily existence. At least that's my experience. And so totally, I agree. Yeah. 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 Um, You know, before you even really dove into having this whole astrology career and coaching career, you were, you found your way through a few other avenues before this, right? You did some corporate consulting. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, I had cancer in 97, 98. I moved to California in 99. I started following the phases of the moon in 2001. There was a good five or six years there where I was just deeply invested in my own health and healing. My corporate career is like this interesting thing. When I look back, I'm like, how did that even happen? I don't know. But yeah, I worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers in the ethics and compliance department. Um, And then when I left PricewaterhouseCoopers, I really wanted to go out and do performance coaching for women who were high achieving and not wanting to burn out. Because when I was in my corporate world, I was like, wait a second, I actually really love this job for many reasons, but like what's going on around me? All these women are burnt out. No one's totally satisfied and just didn't seem healthy. But when I went to pursue my entrepreneurial path, I realized like I was nowhere, (laughs) I was nowhere near ready to do that. So I ended up staying in the financial sector and I consulted with a hedge fund, did other things in finance for a while as I built my practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's like we sometimes don't understand quite why we're in certain um, venues on our path, but, you know, just having that firsthand of stress, right? And how that impacts all of us, but especially our female hormonal system and just our connection. Um, You know, I see a lot of uh, chronic modern day illnesses, but there's so many routes to prevent them along the way. And I think we just live in this very stressful society. And so you were dropped in probably the epicenter of that during that time of your life. So Jen, um, you know, you had this personal healing journey, you know, you found your way through these different environments, and then you really embarked into astrology and coaching. And so tell us about what you've created and how you work with people these days. Yeah, it's a great question. Well, my practice actually evolved really sort of organically. You know, I was very much geared towards working with ambitious women on their high performance lifestyles, burnout prevention, looking at how health and actually happiness were the foundation of greater trajectories with career professional success and leadership. So prioritizing exercise and nutrition, but personal satisfaction in and outside career as a foundation for what would breed greater levels of creativity and collaboration and ultimately uh, leadership. That only got so far before people were like, well, wait, what's this moon thing you do? Or like, what's this other thing you do? Like my friend told me you did this for them. And I was like, why are people talking about this? I don't want to do this. Uh, I was really timid about putting that out into the world. I was more like, I went to Duke integrative medicine to become a behavior change specialist. I like worked at one of the biggest consulting firms in the world. Like I was like very regimented in like the science and the um, pragmatic career background I had had. But as things happen, the universe had a different plan for me. And so I started talking about, well, like I follow the phases of the moon and these are the rituals I do with the moon. And this is how I plan my life. And, you know, these are things that clients have done in the past and people were just so hungry for this. So over time, I became really less shy about it. And I started putting it at the forefront of my work. 
and seriously, seriously, seriously apprenticing and studying astrology, which many people think astrology is just like, oh, anyone can do it. Or like, I know my sun, moon and rising or like, let me look at this for you. And da, 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 that's what you are. And that's not really what astrology is. Astrology, um, probably the same way naturopathic medicine is, is a very rigorous field of study of which there's no end of studying and there's really no end of mastery. It's like the most humbling, humbling craft to take because there's no destination. Like there's no like 30 years my senior in the astrology world, they're still studying their their craft and and perfecting I don't even know perfecting is the word, but like, yeah, adjusting how they practice. So astrology is one of those things where it's just like an endless rabbit hole, but it's become my passion and it's become my my reason for almost everything. It's just so strange because I never thought that I would be so forward about that. But really, you know, I found astrology because I was trying to find a way to make sense of my own life. I was trying to find a way to make sense of like, why did I have these health problems? Were they in my chart? Was this predetermined? Was this something environmental? Was this a psychosomatic? Like what the hell happened? And how do I live this life as a postmenopausal barren woman for the, you know, you're supposed to be postmenopausal for a portion of your life, not the majority of your life. I was really just searching for my own answers. And I was going to astrologers for these answers. And some did better jobs than others, giving me like hope, you know, like I have a very complicated natal chart. I think most healers do, you know, we don't get to this work because everything was all roses. It's like there was something in our life that sent us on this path. And I would often go see astrologers in this deep investigation of just trying to understand. And I would walk away feeling terrible, like just bad, like I was cosmically cursed or I was never going to get out of this. And that was a pretty demoralizing way of approaching astrology or, or being on the receiving end of it. I don't think it was anyone's intention. The more I just studied this, I was like, oh, there's so much, there's so many ways to interpret this. And there's so much hope in this, particularly if you marry it with some lifestyle skills and some coaching. And then that just became like my why, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's helping people make sense of things with options on how to improve it. Mm -hmm. Were you eventually um, able to find some peace or solace to understand kind of your journey through the lens of looking at your natal chart, given your evolution and learning astrology? Yeah. I mean, so much so, you know, once you really understand your cosmic curriculum, and I refer to your cosmic curriculum as like, what? It, what's the primary setup this lifetime? Like, what are the obstacles? What are the strengths? What are the gifts? What are the time periods that are going to be hard? What are, the, what are the potential growth trajectories within those time periods? It's like, there's a lot of agency in that. Traditionally, astrology is like, a, here's what's going on by situation. It's not like a, here's what's going on and here's what you can do about it. And so I was really, really, really interested in the, what you can do about it. But sure, yeah. And and even still, you know, I'm in a particularly challenging period in my own astrological chart. And just knowing that has mm-hmm. been super helpful um, as opposed to just feeling like not knowing in the dark. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so happy that, you know, you have that experience and ability to 
walk through life with that uh, framework. And I am not a student of astrology, but I um, enjoy having that perspective through people that I know and love and trust um, supporting me to look through that lens. And especially as we record this in you know, pretty much the beginning of 2021 still and what we've all gone through collectively and also in our microcosm, you know, looking at the larger cycles and then how they impact us individually um, has been really comforting to me and trying to continue to create meaning out of a really hard time, you know, that we're all going through. And so much so that I actually, one of my residents at um, my clinic, she is a naturopath and she studies astrology. And I've had her start doing natal chart readings for some of my patients who are interested. And what I've been interested in is um, looking at people's North Node um, and just giving people that sense. I know it's complex and there's so much more than the North Node, but I feel like if people can understand more of the purpose of why they are on the planet, no matter what they have to go through, I just think purpose is such a driver to understand and to endure whatever life brings our way. I just love going down this journey more and more people um, along along the lens of astrology. Yeah, may I add something to that? Oh yeah, please. Their North Node in addition to their Saturn. Yeah. When someone understands their Saturn, they really understand what their what the work is, right? And so when we, so our North Node for the listeners who don't know, well actually the nodes are interesting because they're not celestial bodies at all. They're the path that the moon that the moon takes around well the moon has its own orbit around the earth while the earth has its orbit around the sun and where the moon's orbit around the earth intersects with where the earth is orbiting around the sun those are the nodes right and so the north node is that what we're ascending towards what what we're becoming and the south node is what we're disseminating from what we're just what we're releasing what we're it's our strengths their talents their gifts but they're not necessarily the destiny so the north node is more you know the destiny that we're ascending towards but the north node in combination with our saturn saturn being our purpose and often where we have our biggest problems mm it can serve as a stepping stone. And from a healing perspective, the combination of the two, particularly if we know our moon, which is our internal need and our Mars, which yeah. is how we act. It's a really beautiful, potent combination. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And I guess, I mean, I, we could talk about so many different things, Jenny, yeah. you know, circling back, um, to living in relationship with the moon, you know, especially for women who are listening. Can you just give us some like high level notes of what do we even mean? So we're talking very already just going down into the, you know, some of the depths of things that we have an understanding, but some of the listeners might be, this might be very still new information. So what do you mean with living with the moon? So we all know like new that there's a new moon and there's a full moon and some of us may even know that at the full moon obviously is the most obvious part of the of the moon cycle we get this bright illuminated disc of the moon that shines throughout the night and that the opposite is true when the new moon where we don't have any visible moon in the sky and just knowing the difference between the new moon and the full moon and and really when they happen and maybe what's going on in your life around those times is really helpful but when we look at the moon cycle we go from a new moon to a waxing crescent moon, a waxing crescent moon to a waxing quarter, waxing quarter to a waxing gibbous, to a full, to a waning gibbous, waning quarter, waning crescent, back to new again. And that cycle of waxing and waning is really the same energetic pattern of the female reproductive system because a new moon is very similar in terms of the beginning of a cycle, same as say like a met the menstruation, first day of menstruation, and then after a period begins, there's a follicular phase where there's a waxing of hormones 
up till the point of ovulation where there's a releasing of an egg and the opportunity to get pregnant and if pregnancy doesn't happen. There's a luteal phase, which is a shedding time in preparation for the shedding of the uterine lining, but also a hormonal response. So just the concept of waxing and waning happening circa monthly, circa regularly every month is basically what the female body does. There's a lot of great emerging science coming out around looking at circolunar, circomonthly rhythms in chronobiology and trying to distinguish, do humans have endogenous clocks that have innate circolunar rhythms or circomonthly rhythms, which is a monthly rhythm that happens in the same cadence as say a lunar rhythm, right? Like our circadian rhythm happens in sync I should say our circadian rhythm works best when it's in sync with the light dark cycle of of night and day. Evolutionarily, we developed with an adaptation to function in sync with the cycles of night and day dictated by the apparent rising and setting of the sun. Well, a circle lunar rhythm is a rhythm that functions in the same way that the circadian rhythm functions only rather than a daily rhythm, it's a monthly rhythm. Am I making sense so far? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and so modern biology has proven indefinitely that the circadian rhythm is real. We have an endogenous clock. We know that there's a whole circadian mechanism. Fascinatingly enough, we don't know if that's true with humans for the lunar rhythm, right? For the mo- circa monthly rhythm. But we know it's true for fish. We know it's true for other mammals. We know it's true for lots of plants, but we don't know if it's true for humans. Anecdotally, I will say 1000% it's true for humans that we have a circa lunar, circa monthly rhythm. What I don't know and what no one can tell because we just don't have enough research on it is, is, is that an endogenous clock? Is that something that we'll do no matter what? Or is that happening due to the fluctuations of light at night because of where the moon's position is? And there's just not enough science on that yet. I suspect that in the coming years, there'll be a lot more science on that, but it's actually really hard to test because we have electricity and mm-hmm. iPads. <laughs> mm-hmm. All the things. All the things. Mm-hmm. All the things. But yeah, so living in sync with the phases of the moon is similar to like living in sync with the rising and the setting of the sun, you know, like optimizing your circadian rhythm, doing circadian entrainment where you're, you know, sleeping at a certain time of day so that when you rise in the morning, your cortisol level spikes and you have that wonderful bell curve of of your daily hormones. So your HPA access isn't dysregulated and you're you're feeding yourself delicious, nurturing, healthy fat first thing in the morning with, you know, like solid protein and really great nutrients to support your hormonal function throughout the day. So you don't have adrenal dysregulation, right? I'm assuming that your audience is fairly familiar with these concepts, right? Yes. Yeah. So the lunar rhythm is just, it's a different version of that. It's a different version of syncing with the light dark cycle dictated not just by the daily rhythms. So now we're talking about the lunar rhythms, the monthly rhythms. And we have a circa annual rhythm, which is our seasonal rhythm. And that's why right now as we're recording this, but it's the very beginning of spring in the Northern hemisphere. And we're in that time period where our biological needs are shifting because we're getting more sunlight. We're coming out of 
I mean, this has been a wild winter because of COVID, you know, it feels like we've been a perpetual winter for a year with COVID, but we're coming out of winter. So, you know, we're naturally geared to move through a more sedentary way of living where maybe we've had heavier foods, more lethargy, less activity, less socializing into a season where nothing's quite grown yet, right? Like people think spring is like this time of like epic rebirth, but really early, early, early spring, like we're in right now, is a season of starvation. It's a season of, of hunger because nothing's quite grown yet. You know, in Chinese medicine, it's liver season, which is a- anger, really getting through like the anger and the frustration and the feeling of captivity and not enough nourishment. And we want new life, but it's not quite here yet. And so we go out into the world and we're like, let's do something about this, which is very Aries, right? So yes, we have our circa annual rhythm. And so those three rhythms are really the foundation of astrology in many ways, our daily rhythm, our monthly rhythm, and our seasonal rhythm, but just astrology uses an entirely different language. And then it layers in all the archetypal patterns of the planets outside of the sun. Yeah, the sun and the moon, which we all know are not planets in in an astronomical sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And the more that I've been practicing about 10 and a half years and the more I reflect, especially, you know, I see chronically ill patients who a lot of times have disturbance in their circadian rhythm, their lunar rhythms, you know, their annual rhythms and how we can bring that, even that conversation, right? Because that, you know, in modern life, we can ignore all of this, right? We can turn on lights and electricity and, you know, not be uncomfortable, you know, at all throughout you know, the year, um, even though the everything is fluctuating. And so I think the more that we have a language and a connection with that, we like live in sync more and our bodies respond well to that. And many of my patients will know when the full moon is because of their symptoms in their body. So I, I work with a lot of patients who have different stealth pathogens. Sometimes we treat parasitic infections and there's an increase in activity of those pathogens in their body around the full moon. And even if like that was too far of a stretch, just call my office on, you know, and ask how people are doing around the full moon and people are calling more with more symptoms, more changes. So when you ask, is this an internal clock or um, external, you know, rhythm, how that gets set, I'm sure there's, I'm sure it's both, but I see the full moon energy and how that affects the water in our body and the activity of our immune system and pathogens. I I see that in my practice a lot. I don't know if you've had that experience as well. Oh yeah, 100%. And it's interesting because it's hard to say what, what the causal mechanism is, right? Like it's hard to say, is it because like the moon rules the tides and our bodies are all water or something else? What, what I've come to realize and what I firmly believe and now science is actually backing is, is that it's not actually the water. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's the time that the moon is rising. So let me break this down. Is when we have the new moon, the sun and the moon, when the sun rises, the moon's right there. So the sun, the moon is rising with the sun. We just don't see it because they're at the same degree alignment. So you wouldn't see the moon because the moon doesn't have light of its own. It's reflecting back the sun's light to us, right? Mm-hmm. The moon doesn't emanate its own light. It simply reflects sunlight back to us. At the new moon, the sun, the moon's rising with the sun. Mm-hmm. Now, as the moon begins to wax, the moon is not rising with the sun. It's like the, the, it's the moon rises approximately 50 minutes later each day. And so approximately, because it's shifting, but in that average, right? As the moon waxes, we actually start to see the moon in the daytime energy. I mean, the daytime 
time period because the distance between the sun and the moon becomes greater and greater throughout the month. And with that, we start to see more and more of the moonlight, right? So by the time we get to the full moon, when the sun is setting, because remember the moon is rising approximately 15, 50 minutes later each day. So this, the full moon always happens when the sun sets and the moon rises basically at the same time. Mm-hmm. So our neuroendocrine system responds to light. Mm-hmm. And when we have more moonlight during daylight hours, as we do in the waxing phases, and then as evening sets in and the moon is rising, we get the reflection of the sun now back through, through the luminary of the moon. Our neuroendocrine system, which is light responsive, is now getting a double dose, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So we're getting a double dose of almost like daylight energy at night because the moon is really just reflecting the sun back to us that we're light respondent. So much of our neuroendocrine system responds to light that I actually think it's moon during daytime energy is waxing because we'll see the moon during the daytime. And then the full moon is we get this huge reflection of sunlight right when we should be settling down. We're getting ramped back up again. So we're not settling down. So that's one theory. There's another theory I have that's actually freaking fascinating because I teach this to thousands of people throughout the course of my career. I run a thing called moon school. Like I'm really interested. I'm super data driven, super science driven and always collecting data points. And what I think happens in the days preceding the full moon, because now in the days preceding the full moon, we're having an almost version of the full moon before the sun sets, right? So that evening twilight time is supercharged. So that's the waxing gibbous period into the full moon. We have our gut microbiome is a hundred percent bacteria, right? Our bacteria has circadian rhythms. We don't know what other kind of rhythms they're functioning off of, but I think that's what you're saying with like the pathogens in the body is like, I've just seen people with different food cravings, their mood shifts, their agitation shifts. They want sugar. They want this. They want that. They want this. They want that. And that's different than when they're not getting hyperstimulated by moonlight around the same time as dusk. It could be bacterial, you know, like just bacterial changes that are driving them to crave different things that are then having a different, creating a different behavioral response. Mm -hmm. And then of course we Mm -hmm. layer in the hormone, the female hormonal system, which women may or may not be ovulating with the full moon, but no matter what's going on with their female hormonal system at the time of the full moon, they're having a different hormonal response mm-hmm. that's also influencing things. Yeah. So does that make sense? Oh yeah. No. And I, I'm, I completely agree. I think, you know, we work a lot with the different light therapies and I definitely, you know, we're light beings in so many ways. And also there's so many inputs, you know, through the super chiasmatic nucleus and all of that with how we perceive light and how that, you know, communicates right to our hypothalamus and our pituitary and all in the pineal gland, of course. So no, I, I think that's a huge piece that I'm glad you really articulated well. And then, yeah, we work a lot with the microbiome and then we have a virome and we have, you know, um, yeast and parasitic infections in our body and all these things. And so how could we not think that those, you know, that we're actually more microbes than human cells in our body, right? So we respond to the changes of the microbes in our body. And I don't think people understand that enough. It's not you, it's your microbes, right? Um, Yeah. So it's like, so I, I think that's, yeah, super on point. 
yeah, no, I, I definitely see, see, and of course the hormonal system, you know, how can that not? And I, I know that some women, when they're trying to regulate their cycle, will also do moon bathing and just get out, you know, in the moonlight and that um, I've seen that really work well for some women. So we, yeah, we're so interconnected, right? We're so interconnected to these cycles. So isn't it just more empowering to walk through life, knowing how interconnected we are to these cycles than thinking that they're just random or not in tune with them, I think we can just really not only understand and support our bodies better, but also the energy that we navigate our lives, right? And understanding why we might be feeling things or, you know, when we're more creative or more, we're when we're more action oriented or when there's a time for rest or so forth. So I think, yeah, I mean, I, I continue to explore this in my work and how I can share this with more people to, yeah, just really feel better, right? At the end of the day. What are some of the light therapies you do? We do a lot of different things. We'll have some people at home get different. I have this sauna space on my desk here. So this is a near infrared light that has heat as well. So I use that. We'll use red and infrared lights. We also will do different things to make sure that we're not exposed to the wrong rhythm or wrong, not wrong, but not the optimal wavelength of light during the day. So you know, in the morning, it's blue light. In the evening, we don't want to have as much blue light stimulation because that can confuse our pineal gland. And then I've been working with a company called Weber Medical, and they're out of Germany, and they do some really interesting things. So I have a unit at my office called the Weber Medical Laser, and we can use different wavelengths of light. It's laser light, and we can use it intravenously, topically, or on acupuncture points. And then we can combine that with photosensitizing either natural or synthetic agents. So this works really well for chronic illnesses, also cancer. Um, so there can be substances like riboflavin or turmeric or chlorophyll or um, different uh, compounds that have a spectrum absorption that optimizes their effect. And it's really interesting that inflamed cells or cancer cells naturally take up these nutrients more. And then when you apply light on top of that, you might stimulate more oxidative pathways for pathogens or um, apoptosis for cancer. And then we have, they also have this helmet that we put on people that's um, red and infrared and the infrared um, penetrates through the skull and into the brain. And that can help to clear amyloid beta and you know support the lymphatic system and lymph fluid movement. So that's been really fun. And they have a watch too, that um, the light is applied to the radial arteries. So there's absorption of the wavelengths of light that are applied to the blood there um, and carry that through the body. So those are the things that I do today. I'm thinking if I I'm missing any, um, but and yeah. what, does, what does the infrared light on your, do you mind if I ask, what does that do the infrared light on your desk? Infrared has a different depth of penetration, right? Um, depending on how close it is applied, it gives off heat. So it does have a gentle heating effect. So you can um, stimulate sweating when you're in contact with infrared. I, I really feel what I know that it improves like circulation, blood flow. I like to use it at night. Um, I like to surround myself with red light at night. I'm um, just, if I have to work, you know, so, you know, I'm just kind of counteracting some of the computer things and it just helps to red lights, amber lighting signal to our pineal gland. It's nighttime. I feel like, like a cutting edge way to work with lunar stuff is to take a lot of what you're saying and then like do a gradation throughout the month, right? To like counterbalance or to understand your goals. And like the work I do is like finding your spiritual desires, your, your spiritual health. Like what are you here to do? What are you here to craft? What are you here to create? And how can you find more rhythm and flow? And I think that when we add things like scaffold our life, right? Like we add different things that are 
suggestive of entraining our bodies and our rhythms in certain ways that there's just this natural thing that explodes along the way. Like our own, like in my book, we call it our healing magic because we're meant to heal, right? Like that's what our bodies are here to do, but we don't support it. Mm-hmm. And so when we can entrain ourselves into these cycles of nature, particularly lunar cycles, um, it's really helpful. So I find it fascinating how, how in depth the land of light therapy is. I am not as, as a, obviously aware. Yeah, no, it could be super supportive for your clients. And there's the whole like um, health effects too. And then there's circadian lighting. I interviewed years ago on this architect who just did circadian lighting in homes and in office spaces to help people feel the best. And um, I think artificial lighting um, and junk lighting can be more impactful to our bodies than we realize. We're kind of in the soup of stress in modern life. As you mentioned, how responsive we are to lunar light and circadian rhythms. How could this not affect us, right? Um, The artificial light that we're exposed to on a regular basis. Yeah. So Jen, I want you to share um, with people, you have your book, right? It's called Cosmic Health. Um, Can you just share the inspiration around that and what you walk through through in your your book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for, for asking. So cosmic health is really about this whole conversation that, that we're having around how we are cyclical beings that we adapted under these cycles, right, of night and day, of seasons, of lunar cycles. And our biology is really founded in these same simple cycles that aren't really that simple. But and then we can break that down into our natal horoscope, our natal hor- um, understanding of who we are by understanding our sun, moon and rising sign. And learn how to live seasonally based on the zodiac the western tropical zodiac and seasons are very uh, they, they they align deeply you know really looking at the archetypes of the remaining planets and how you can take the concepts of those planets and look at them through an archetypal lens and then i blend a lot of positive psychology which is the science of thriving around how we can really promote our greatest, deepest healing by the synergy of all three, astrology, integrative medicine, and then really wonderful, beautiful applications from from science-based personal development in the field of positive psychology. And my inspiration for the book was that that this is, these things are all belong in one conversation, right? They're not like, not like if you like astrology, you don't do science. And if you like science, you don't do astrology. And if you're into personal development, then you don't care about health. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's all one stinking conversation. And then adding in the ritual magic, which is how do we synchronize intention with these different phases and cycles to really actualize our greatest potential? And yeah, that's Cosmic Health. It's a fun book. It's a long book and you can read it either from start to finish or just turn to what you most need and get it that way. Yeah, no, I love that you put all of this information in one book and I agree. I'm so glad that, um, yeah, you have that inspiration and you put that all in one place because it's all interconnected, right? And the more that we understand how interconnected we are, I think we just move through life in just a different flow. So Jen, just as we wrap up, is there anything um, that you want to share with the audience, especially, you know, here we are spring of 2021 and just anything that you feel would give people some like hope or peace around the time from an astrological lens or um, any perspective you have? Yeah. I mean, it's like 2020 was this year where it was just so like we like, I always knew March 2020, I shouldn't say always, but since I discovered what was going to happen astrologically in March 2020, it was very obvious to me that something big was going to go down. We didn't know what, right? Like to the point where like I sold a home and like 
liquidated a bunch of cash. I was just like, what? This isn't going to be great. So whatever this is, like, let's just take care. And so 2020 was this year of, of reckoning, a deep reckoning. 2021 is a year I, I'm calling it's the battle between no longer and not yet. It's like, we're not in, in where we're going yet, but we're not going back to where we were. And so we're in this tension of the opposite, this polarity where we want the routine and the safety of what we once had, but it's done, right? Like it's over. We're not going back there. And we all are being called into this new iteration of, of our own potentiality and ways of being together in community, but we're not there yet either. Right. We're not, we don't, we're still, I mean, so many of us are in a cycle of grief and longing and loss. And then so many of us are in the anxiousness of like, can we just get back to where we need to go? Or like the flat lines or like, I've had enough. I'm just falling to pieces and I can't handle this anymore. We are in the middle of a moral existential crisis, period, Mm -hmm. end of story. Mm -hmm. And we're not going back to where we were because where we were wasn't serving us. It just functioned and we were all so damn busy. We couldn't figure out how to get out of the rat race or whatever it was. And then the structures shifted and we're not quite where we're going yet. Mm -hmm. So we're in the definition of liminality. We're between worlds. We're between the no longer and not yet. That's really where we're at. I mean, 2021 is still by and large light years better than 2020. And everyone keeps saying like, new year, same shit. And I'm just like, actually, it's not. (laughs) Actually, this is a very different year, people. Very different year. You better get excited because it's a lot better than where we were. (laughs) Um, Very different year. But also, it's not easy. And we're not, spoiler alert, we won't have ease. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not coming back, right? Like, it's just like, take that off the menu. Because what we what we have is we have this like so much of cosmic health and so much of all my work is about resilience, which is the most not sexy word in the world. (laughs) But it's about facing life exactly as it is and making it better. Mm -hmm. Right. And for the longest time in personal development, circle, spiritual, new age, whatever, it was like, well, if there's a problem, you did something wrong. You thought it wrong. It's a karmic, you know, like a karmic problem from your past. Like you're failing. You're not doing law of attraction well enough because everything should be easy and we're going to be in flow. And that was cool for about like 2005, 2006 or something. I don't know when the economy was like on a peak. You know what I mean? Like it worked for a minute. But really, like we're not in a time that's easy. We're in a time that is about whew, reckoning we're in a time of reckoning which is we've got to save the earth got to save ourselves we got to figure out how to decondition so much dysfunction in how we our power dynamics are with one another and there's systemic problems there's environmental problems there's the corporatization of our food and our land the you know the robbing of indigenous ways that have like gone on way too long and so Sadly, there's, yeah, like I don't see a time of ease, (laughs) but what I do see is a time of renaissance, right? Mm -hmm. That we, that there's a rebirth. Everything in life is cyclical. And so after there's destruction, there's a rebirth. Mm -hmm. After there's a reckoning, there's a, there's a reinvigoration, there's a revitalization. So the hope I think is, can we all just get clear with what we're putting to bed, right? Like, the struct- this year is a year where Saturn is the foundation and Uranus is radical change. And there's a Saturn-Uranus square that defines this whole year. So the foundations aren't working anymore. And we're getting new and different ways to reestablish our foundations through shocking change, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why we need our bodies 
to be as healed or as close to health so that we're never going to be perfect, but we can be resilient, right? Like we can, we can have problems and still be okay. Um, but we really want to work on our nervous system. We really want to work on our endocrine functions. We really want to work on learning how to live with stress because stress isn't going away mm-hmm. so that we aren't compromised in our integrity and our ability to rise in the face of all this, because as much as humans are the problem, humans are the solution. We got to do the work. Mm-hmm. I hope that that's not too depressing. <laughs> no, no, it's right on point, right, Jen? And I, I think that's just, yeah, important for us to embrace that truth and not be afraid of it, right? And as you said, I, I feel that too, like it's this, even without the language that you are so eloquently sharing, it's like we're in this grand transition, but at the other side, I mean, what, you know, human potential, hope, positivity, the ability to rebirth some of these lost principles and understandings of, you know, who we are and the planet and we can rebuild and we can rebuild something way better. Um, Way better. Yeah. and Way better. Yeah. I know. I, I feel just being the naturopath that, you know, the work that I do, I see, you know, it's the crumbling of this healthcare system that needs to be crumbled. And, you know, and yes, of course it it has helped many people, but there's this whole opportunity to re-envision healing and what is available to more and more people. And that excites me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very exciting. I mean, it's it's wildly, wickedly exciting. It's just not stable. Yeah. We need to find the stability within Mm -hmm. and within our community, you know, within our our family dynamics, within with our practitioners, with our the community that we're building, and we'll be okay so long as we do, because the rest and nothing else is going to be stable for a while. Yeah. Well Stay grounded out there, right? <laughs> stay stay grounded. grounded and do yeah. do your work. Do your work. Yeah. Stay grounded. Stay connected. Um, connect with the moon, the the lunar energy. I think that's a really way, great way to stay um, present and connected during all this instability um, right now. So, so Jen, I could talk to you for another hour, but I know that we um, are wrapping up here. And so, can you just share with people how they can find out more about your work, your book, and all the wonderful things you're doing? Sure. Um, so my website's jenniferrassiopi.com and that's like the place that I, you know, is my central foundation and you can join my newsletter and get my updates. I post regularly on Instagram at Jen Rassiopi. And I would say those are really the place, places I show up, my blog, my newsletter, Instagram. Um, I've got a lot of fun and exciting things coming later this year, a new website, new programs, new things. Thank you so much for your time. And it's really lovely getting to know you. So thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the Spectrum of Health podcast today with Jennifer Rassiopi. Please check out her website, jenniferrassiopi.com and cosmichealthbook.com. And if you are enjoying these podcasts, I would be so honored and grateful if you could leave a review on Apple iTunes. And thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful day.